money, 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 money. It's one of those things that is a part of life. And depending on what your relationship is to money and what your perspective is on money, it can be a pain point. It can be a point of rejoicing. It can be an idol. It can be all those things. And I think Katie and I have experienced money being all of those things in our life. And so we're going to kind of talk about our early journey with money, where we're at now, uh, how we've budgeted, just our overall perspective on finances, how we've found creative ways to, I guess, grow what was a very, very small income early in our marriage and, and how we've worked together as a married couple to do that and how we've limited our arguments and fights around money. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, I'm just, I feel like I, we probably ask this all the time, but I'm going to do it again. If you do enjoy this podcast, this episode, any episode, Katie and I would be thrilled if you took the time to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Uh, maybe you're not listening to this podcast on iTunes, and maybe you've got a place where you can leave a rating and review or review on the platform that you're listening to this on. But if you don't, if you're able to go over to iTunes, find our profile, the Now That We're a Family podcast, and leave us a rating or a review, that would that would mean so much to Katie and I. It just helps our overall ranking on iTunes. It helps get this podcast out to more people, and it just puts a big fat smile on both Katie and my my and Katie's. It puts a smile on both of our faces. Thank you, and see you soon. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Let's take it back to the early days of uh, marriage. I like those days. Those are, yeah, I mean, Good we're memories. still kind of in the early days of marriage, but there were earlier days than now. And money was something that was somewhat of a pain point in our life as we were, we, fil- we fit that all so common bill of there being too much month at the end of the money a few times. And I think that that's like when I think back on our first year of marriage, that cloud of financial pressure, I definitely remember that as much as I enjoyed our first year of marriage. And of course there's the newlywed bliss and it's just, it was fun, you know, it was just so much fun. But that was a con when I think about what was keeping me up at night then, because it seems like there's always been something keeping me up at nighttime. The thing that was keeping me up at night then was money or the lack thereof or you know finances yeah i think that that was our biggest pain point probably it wasn't like it wasn't a big issue as far as okay 
I shouldn't say this. I feel like we had more arguments about how to spend our money when we had more of it. Kind mm. of like more in the middle zone. Yes. Um, and then I feel like now we have less arguments about how we spend money because it, it doesn't matter as dramatically. Um, but when we were newly married, we would, I think I would just stress out when you bought coffee. Yeah. Or ate out. Yes. I remember that happening. Yeah, which in hindsight is so valid. When I think about, you know, a $5 purchase at a coffee shop in relation to what our like monthly or weekly income was, I'm like, dang, I, I'm, I do not blame you at all for, you know, kind of stressing out about that. And certainly when it came to eating out, I don't, I don't blame you at all. But that was something that like I just wanted so badly to make room for in the budget. Mm -hmm. And I think I never wanted to feel... Nobody ever probably wants to feel this way. It's like, I don't want to feel poor. Uh, and these are, that thing, I guess, was one of those things that like gave me that little joy in life. It's like, if I can spend three bucks on a double espresso, then I'll have like this, this energy for life, you know, both me mentally, emotionally, physically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just one of those seasons where, okay, so we got married and then... I had never lived on my own before. Hmm. So all the, the concept of all these bills was really new to me. I was super frugal growing up. I was like total pity pincher, but I also had only had like a real job. I was a uh, shoe salesperson mm -hmm. at Macy's like for the four months, three months, just through the holiday season before yeah. we got married. And that was like my most consistent work schedule. Up until that point, I did like random types of odd jobs to earn money. And I was, I had just turned 21 when we got married. So I wasn't that old. Anyways, all that to be said, that was kind of like my mindset around money coming into marriage. I'd like bought my car cash. I'd saved my whole life because there wasn't a great there wasn't a steady flow of money coming in. Right. So I didn't like money really going out. So I never knew when I was going to get more money. So I just would stockpile what I had. Yes. And I think what I mainly spent money on was shoes. Hmm. I did buy some expensive shoes, which I still have. I'm actually grateful that I bought those. That <laughs> is a, that's a good investment then. Yeah, it is interesting. Katie and I will talk about this a lot. Like Kate, there's four and a half years between Katie and I in age. And so that four and a half years obviously seems smaller and smaller as time goes by. But I feel like at that first season in marriage, it was a big chunk in that I had had four and a half more years of a short adult life of, you know, living out on my own, working multiple jobs, paying for my own bills to some extent. You know, I, I lived at home for part of that time too. And then I, then I moved out about a year and a half before we got married and and I think that, that that combination of you coming straight from your family's house, never having a steady paycheck or a consistent job, really not liking ever spending money on things like food or coffee. Yeah, like I was it, not like the social single person. No. I hated spending yes. money on food because it's just like you ate it and it was gone. Yes, you know? like if you went out with friends, you would order water and e eat the free chips and salsa and then go I'd home. I'd probably get a soup. A soup. There you go. Yeah. Um, and... And so I think that was a huge blessing for me in hindsight, but it also brought some, the conflict wasn't that I think you were wrong in your principle. It came from you like it blowing your mind that I would even desire these things. It, yeah, I, I wasn't fair in my uh, 
yeah, assessment of your spending <laughs> habits because you are a big saver too. Yes. And so that was a big blessing. I think the only difference in like our, or I'm going to speak for you sure. and you can correct me if I'm no, wrong. I, I'd rather you speak for me. I sound smarter when you do that. Stop. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I think that coming into marriage, it was a big deal for us to be on our own with all these expenses. Cause it was the first time you had all these expenses too. Yes. Cause you'd had like a job, you saved a lot of money, but you were also able to spend a lot of money cause you had a really low life Rent of expense. And stuff. Yeah. Either I was living at home for free or I was living in a, a guy pad with five or six other guys and rent was like $200 a month. And so there was always this, excess that so, I had. Yeah. I feel like we were in a similar position of these bills were blowing our minds. Yes. To kind of give you guys, we're not going to share like all of our numbers, but I'll share like those numbers for those, that first probably six months of our marriage, maybe our first full year where I, this was, I had gotten our apartment, um, maybe three months before we got married. Mm-hmm. And I went from paying, like I said, $200 a month in rent to um, rent was eleven fifty, and that was before utilities and internet and garbage and all that stuff. And that that jump just was seemed like so mind blowing to me. I was like eleven hundred and fifty dollars for rent, and we're, we're just gonna give this money to the landlord every single month and not never see it again. Uh, and so you know eleven fifty, and then obviously on top of that, maybe housing altogether with garbage and utilities was around fourteen hundred dollars. I'd say then, of course, that was before groceries, gas. Uh, you guys, I'm not going to go through the bills of life, but that was where our expenses roughly were. And my job at that point was bringing in like $1,800 a month. That's like, I don't know where it, because, and so I really don't know where, how this worked out mathematically because <laughs> oh, that $1,800 a month when I was a single guy and rent was $200 was more than enough. And I could go skiing. I could eat out when I wanted to. I could go on trips when I wanted to. And I think something that helped was that I always, because I had worked a lot prior to moving out and taking this job, my income wasn't always that that number. My income wasn't always that small. Yeah. I pre for years I had, I had done different things where my income was higher, and I was able to save, you know, the so-called nest egg or whatever. And so I always had that buffer which took away some of the stress. But by the time we actually had moved in to our apartment, that buffer had dwindled dramatically after paying for our honeymoon, the wedding ring first and last month deposit. My car broke. I had to replace a bunch of things in our car. I had a bunch of dental bills and all of a sudden I'm like, dang, that nest egg is non-existent. And all of a sudden our monthly expenses are exceeding my monthly take home. How is this going to pencil out? I know every month. Okay. I feel like we've done this for so many months. We sit down, we write out all our expenses and then how much money we're making. And then somehow it works out. Like the Lord's been really gracious. Um, I think the first year we lived like the first six months on wedding cash so thank you to everyone who came to our wedding no joke i'm sure we <laughs> missed we a bunch of thank you notes to people and if we did we are so thankful we still think of you by yes. name uh so that was a huge blessing and then we did random stuff like we liquidated everything yes we sold one of because we both had a car when we got married we sold my car yeah we sold elisha's car because yours had better gas mileage that's the hamster we drove until yes. we had 
Did we have three kids or we was did. it just with the two? With three because I, I kept that for my job in, in Washington. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then we sold, Elisha had this giant like circus tent he used when he was selling Christmas trees down yes. in California. So we sold that yep. and that was great. Yes, that was. Uh, I, I was doing whatever I could to like go get gigs with my family. And so I actually wrote down a list. I'm going to, I'm going to say this really quick. Of oh, all yeah, the things yeah. we did. And I'm sure I missed things. I know everybody does a lot of things for work, but it's kind of fun doing little, like little retros, retroactive, retro, yeah, looking at retroactively at what you've done. So in that first year of marriage, I was a server. I was a bartender, a barista. I worked with a friend who has a blind installation business and I installed blinds. I want to clarify for the bartending thing because I feel like a bartender could mean a lot of things. It was at a restaurant. It wasn't yeah, like, it was a like a club a or restaurant. anything. Yeah, no, Anyways, it was a very wholesome environment. Just to clarify. Yes. I don't know. When I heard bartender like growing up, I always thought it was like some sketchy. Like, sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There's like scantily <laughs> Like he works women. like all night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not what it was. No, it was a, yeah, it closed at like 10 o'clock at night. And it was, it was, it was like the equivalent of like a um, olive garden, probably yeah. that type of environment. Um, yeah. So then I, uh, yeah, I installed mailboxes with a guy. Um, I taught private guitar lessons, mandolin lessons and fiddle lessons. I did real estate. So that was always like, okay, we're not making a lot of money now, but when you get your real estate license, you think, you know, like the sky's the limit. You're like, I, it is because it, it really is. But getting your real estate license doesn't make you any money. In fact, it costs you money. And that was something that, you know, people are like, oh, it's such a low startup cost to get going in real estate, which comparative, obviously, to like a ton of different gr- degrees that require, or sorry, careers that require a degree. It is extremely low, in, you know, startup cost. But when people would say things like, oh, it doesn't cost anything to get going. I literally thought like, oh, it doesn't cost anything to get going. And so when there would be like a $600, you know, startup fee for the, to join the MLS or to go take your, your, your final real estate exam, it costs like 250 bucks and I failed it twice. And so I had to go pay that a bunch of times. And then there's like the e-key, you know, monthly membership that was $19 a month. And then I'd have to buy my lock boxes. It all added up. And I was like, you said it didn't cost anything to get going and this is more than nothing and when you don't have any money anything more than nothing is a lot so i did real estate um we started our network marketing company then in our first year we started it yeah together together um we started voteberg music academy we did random work for katie's father like internet work he would oh yeah we'd like work on his website we would try to make video he would make videos for him and he'd pay us for that. Different random like tools that like printables and yes. Thank you, Daddy, for your yes contract. Keep, yes, employ exactly. So. Uh, we I did concerts with my family and then a couple little random concerts with guys in Bend, the Bend area too, for like fifty bucks or seventy five bucks. And then this was the best ever. Oh, that's what I was just thinking of. Wait, did you see it written down? I did. I saw it. This was so awesome. So we got married in May. And come July, it was that whole, like, how are we doing this? Like, how are we going to pay for the next month? And at this point we had found out we're pregnant. And so I was feeling, I was feeling the pressure for sure. My family really wanted us to come up for the 4th of July, which was like a five hour trip. And that just was a big deal for us to pay for gas and to get up to my family's house. And so they lined up a concert up there and that would help kind of cover 
yeah so it's like hey like you get 250 bucks for the concert and that can kind of cover some expenses i was like okay sweet let's do this uh and so we go up there and on the fourth of july there was this local like race like a fun run and there is a part of it called the SWAT challenge and like the local police department put it on and the winner of the SWAT challenge got $300 cash. And so I signed up for it, which was a $25 entry fee, which was <laughs> sketchy. I was like, Gamble. I can't believe I'm doing this right now. And what did you have to do? What were the activities? Well, you, it was, you ran a mile and a half and then you did as many pushups as you could do in I think 60 seconds or two minutes or something. You did as many sit-ups as you could do in a minute. And then you did as many pull-ups as you could do in a minute. And, and then there's like a point system where you combined all those things together. And I won Woo! $300. And so yeah, th- we came home from that trip feeling quite, we are very on top of the world. Cause I got 250 bucks for the concert, 300 bucks for the SWAT challenge we we celebrated, I think, at Chipotle on the way home. It and was it a party. Felt good. So yeah, the one random thing. So I was kind of like behind the scenes with Boatberg Music Academy, like filming and editing our videos while you were at work, because I didn't get a job after we got married either. I always had this more entrepreneurial bent. Elisha did too, and so we were like, we want to have something else going we had his real estate going that I was totally out of, but we wanted something else too. We wanted diversification. Mm -hmm. So I would stay home and do those things and then try to figure out how to not burn food. And I was pretty good at cleaning. I feel like, Oh, you were good at all those things. And then we, I got a couple tutoring gigs. They were like 30 minutes away. And I, if you guys have tracked on this podcast, I get pretty nauseous when I am pregnant. So I would drive to these things like literally drive like halfway there pull over throw up drive the other way try to get through the tutoring and then on the way back there was always a taco bell and i could eat their bean burritos and lemonade and so i'd always like get that yeah it was like a dollar 87 yeah it was so worth it yeah anyways so that's kind of like what i was doing in the midst of this elisha did end up closing six deals his first year in real estate Yes, that didn't happen until later on. But game changing money, like towards the end of our first year marriage, of marriage, he closed a few deals. Yes, that put us over the edge. Like, yes, exactly. You also walked dogs. Oh yeah, I got on like a dog walking site. Yes, that was just like random. Yep. Dog options, and we. I mean, I think actually I walked dogs once. I had uh, Leon. Well, good for you. Because I just was like, well, I take him for a walk at night anyways yes and you know we just threw out a bunch of things and we're just kind of sharing our story here so if you were looking for like your you know top five tips for getting out of debt or for budgeting sorry we're not giving you very clear steps of action we'll, we'll try to yeah, give you some we'll, as we'll we wrap go some of these here. things up but what's really cool about that first like katie said prior to me closing i think like my first solid deal which i think was in march so we got married in may and then it was in March I closed that those two deals, you know, the buy side and the sell side, that one. So I guess that was 10 months of, of just really each month was like that, that challenge of never quite having enough. And then we'd like sell something and get to the next month and sell something and get to the next month. And then I closed those two deals in March and that like put that chunk in the bank 
which really felt like we had that bre- that emergency fund, mm-hmm. you know, that like Dave Ramsey talks about. And that was the first time, um, you know, 10 months into marriage that we had that. And that was a really awesome experience because like, we both realized how much like stress and pressure that alleviated mm-hmm. in our conversation and in just our, our overall dynamic. And since then, I think we've always been able to keep, am I right? That emergency yeah. fund there. Just, yeah. just we haven't touched it since you know yeah we opened up its own private little bank account and that just kind of sits there and we don't count it yeah and that did alleviate a lot of pressure because in the beginning it was like great we were just hustling for things and a concept i want to talk about is a poor versus a broke mindset Hmm. because we never felt poor Mm -hmm. i mean you mentioned feeling poor maybe if you couldn't get coffee or something well i didn't want to feel poor yeah yeah but for the majority of our uh marriage in that first year, second year, third year, really, uh, we didn't feel poor. And no. we, we would talk about that. And uh, where was I going with this? Like I don't starting know. Starting out with the nest egg. Anyways, it, it just alleviated a ton of pressure and stress. Elisha and I are savers. So I will say this. We felt like we were broke when we did have 1500 2000 $3,000 in the bank. Some, an, an expense for us that happened every single year was we'd pay a midwife $5,000 insurance didn't cover the midwife. And so every time our child was born, we were kind of like saving up for the baby. And then we would feel like that 5,000 would get wiped out and we'd maybe have a little bit left over in the bank. Right. So we were saving that whole time. Um, but we both (laughs) wanted to save more, I guess. Yes. Yes. I mean, you always want to save more, but it, it was tight. Yeah, it was, it was genuinely, it was genuinely tight. And Katie talked about the poor versus the broke mindset. And I think that, you know, it's really interesting looking back at these, these things that we did literally within like the first week of being home from our honeymoon, mm-hmm. the businesses that we started, Votberg Music Academy, and then our network marketing business, Neolife being the other, being one of those other things. In, in addition to a bunch of other things, you know, where we were trying to, we were just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and seeing what would stick. And what's crazy to me is that those things didn't bring us in a ton of money in that first year, but those are the two things that are providing so abundantly for us now. Mm-hmm. And we feel so provided for through those two things that were part of that like frenzy of a first few months where it's like, okay, I don't want to work at a restaurant forever to provide for my family real estate just seems so hard for me to get going right now can we get something else going in the meantime and because we had our head in this space of let's create let's make use of our time in these early years and we were doing it together we were able to try a lot of different things and i mean it was we we failed a ton we just failed at a ton of things but those two things were two of the things that we did not fail in and they are now providing abundantly for us five years later. And that mindset, you know, people, it's so easy to roll your eyes at so many of the self-development mantras or platitudes or, or cliches. But I can't tell you how crucial and critical that was to us just getting through that season. When you're reading story after story and biography after biography of people that were in far worse financial situations than we were and how they climbed out of it, you can't help but have hope and excitement and great expectation 
for the future. And I think because we had our head in that space, we never fell into a poor person's mindset. We kept a broke. We're like, well, we're broke now, but look at all these other people that were broke and look how they climbed out of it. And so we always had this solutions mindset. Like this is currently where we're at. How are we going to climb out of it? And that one kept it really fun because there is hope and, and hope isn't the same as positivity. My, you know, Katie's uncle, one of my best friends always says, because I think that we're in a culture that likes to have positive thinking or think, think positive thoughts. And the cool thing about being a Christian, not to totally jump here to like a spiritual thing when we're talking about talking about money, even though there's tons of, you know, correlation and crossover, uh, we as Christians, we don't just have positive thoughts for the future. We have a substance, substantial hope. And in fact, the, you know, was it Hebrews that says hope is the substance, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so we've got a substance that gives us this real hope. And I think that bringing it back to our early years in marriage, kind of taking it away from that, that Christian perspective, we had, even though you could just think positive, positive thoughts, no, we had a hope because we had a substantial game plan and we were taking substantial action and steps that we were putting hope in. It wasn't this promise that like, if you do X, you will get Y, but it was kind of like those proverbial truths that more often than not, when you take these actions, you get this result. And so there was some substance to, for us to be able to have hope in. Yeah. I like how you drew that Cor- the differentiation because you can just sit here all day long and be like oh this is going to happen in my life you know and it's so great and it's and it's not you know you have to get up and take action and do something about it and I think that money is one of those things people it's such a uh, charged topic hmm. which is interesting for something that's amoral but I think what's cool is money's not good it's not bad it just is it's whatever you decide to use it for and in the proverbs we see a lot of that practical like the rain falls on the just and the unjust or if you're lazy then you know you're you're gonna go go hungry hungry. or if you're lazy you're gonna say there's a lion in the streets Mm -hmm. you know and then you're gonna not be provided for and so it's just kind of interesting how there are, th- we live in a world of cause and effect. Yes. And Elisha and I knew that because the action we were taking and we were going to grow as people. And so I think that that gave us a lot of hope, a lot of excitement. We were always excited. We were always over confident. We're like, mm-hmm. well, the thing is, is next month you can quit your job. Yeah. I think Elisha quit his job like three times I before. I thought we had made it. I thought we had arrived. Yeah. We're like, we're making $500 online. You can quit your job. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, that was my perspective. Elisha had a lot more. Yeah. Or we think a real estate deal is coming together and then it falls apart. There's just all of that. We were counting some money before it was in the bank Yeah, account. we got used. We've learned since then. You don't yeah. count your chickens before they hatch. Yes. But that said, it did keep us really excited in the beginning. And I think that it's different than having a poor mindset because a poor mindset is often this more wallowing mindset, this more like I'm a victim mindset yeah. where it's like I'm here because of X, Y, and Z. I'm going to stay here because of X, Y, and Z. And you're just a victim of your situation and you aren't taking responsibility for your life yeah that's more of a victim and it's probably more a part of your identity it's just you like this just is who i am and again i want to clarify this isn't we don't believe in like a what people would call like a prosperity oh yeah gospel or like a health and wealth 
uh, prosperity gospel. The bro- what the proverbs are, they're these. Um, like I hear pastors describe it as like it's when sir, like it's, they're like they're like laws of nature kind of. It's not they're not promises of God. They're not law. They're just when A happens, you the result is usually so you know usually this is the result of it. So you know again it's so easy to take like the train up your children in the way that they should go, and when they're old they'll not depart. And you take that as law or as a promise, and that just puts like all the pressure on you. Where it's like boy. One, you're going to either have pride if your children walk in the faith because they're like, well, see, I trained them up in the way that they should go. So I did my job and now they're walking in this, the way of truth. And then if, if you, if there aren't walking in the way of truth, you feel this condemnation, it's just this crazy pressure versus realizing like, you know what? God's the one that works out his salvation in people's hearts. But this is a general law in general. When you teach God's truths, your children walk in them. That's just kind of generally how it is. And I think when it comes to business, you can take those general truths and you say, God didn't tell me I will, for a matter of fact, have health and wealth if I, you know, give this much to my church or if I pray in this certain way. He hasn't promised anything like that. But there are these just kind of laws of nature where, you know, like you said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So if you, you know, plant your harvest at the right time of year and if you're aware of what the weather patterns are then you'll reap a harvest that's just kind of how it works and so i wanted to clarify that yeah no i'm glad you clarified that i don't really remember what i said but i don't want people to assume that i was just like oh god's going to 100 percent bless because we were working hard or whatever a lot of people work hard and things just yeah it it doesn't work the, the, out. The seasons of life. Every, yeah, and stuff. I think the difference in that whole broke perspective, I guess, is Elisha and I very well may be broke again. People exactly. become millionaires and are broke the next day. Yeah. And then they, but they're broke. Like you said, it's not an identity. They just pick themselves up and start working again. Yes. And a poor person, it's more like, this is who I am. And Elisha and I never felt like this is who we are. It was just kind of like, well, this is where we're at today. Yes. And we want to enjoy the journey of working our way out of it. Yes. And obviously like the, the resources, money is like this endless, there's like no limit to it. And so when you've got, when you don't f- form your identity around money, you don't get caught up on either side of it. Yeah, you don't say, good... oh, I'm poor. Oh, I'm rich and I'm wealthy. And now this is who I am. It's like this thing where like Katie said, we're, maybe we're doing better now that we were five years ago, but we also are well aware of the fact that uh, things could change dramatically next week, you know, or in a year from now, we could be sitting in a totally different financial position that's far, far worse than where we're at now. But that does still doesn't depict our, our identity. And we just continue working, looking for ways to provide and different opportunities, knowing that the Lord causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And we just work heartily as unto him. Yeah. And I think during those early years, we did, we were really strict on the budget. Hmm. And yeah, we had to be. Hmm. <laughs> we wanted to, you know. Yes, we used the cash system, the envelope system. That was honestly the only time we've been able to stick to a budget. Yes. Like, well we stuck to a budget so well Mm -hmm. and so if you're like looking for you know there's like the dave ramsey thing out there um dave ramsey's great but what really stuck out to me was jordan page and her model and i just want to like briefly explain yes the fun cheaper free yeah fun cheaper free you guys go look her up you'll be she's just a blast but um anyway something that she did it really worked for me because it was 
and for both of us because it was weekly budgeting. So you'd sit down and write down everything for the month, but it's so easy to get thrown off after 30 days. You're like light years away from where you started as far as you spent way more money than you thought you would. And so I loved her method of writing out how much you need for groceries that month, how much you want to put for clothes, for entertainment, right? All the things. And then breaking it down by how much you could spend per week. And both Elisha and I, I spent most of the money. I still probably spend most of the money mm. just because I spend most of that like household stuff. Yeah, I think that's common. I think that's usually how it works. Yeah, I don't know. But I enjoy it. <laughs> so. Well, it works for me too because you do a really good job allocating uh, our resources. Well, you put like say in the beginning, our budget for groceries was $75 a week. And so I would put $75 on the envelope that had the grocery money in it. And then I also had this other budget per week. And I think the other budget was like 25 bucks. Hmm. So I could use that to, you know, buy clothes, buy, I don't know, what were the random things? Oh I boy. Get, I mean, I even think like dishwashing detergent or putting it towards a piece of furniture yeah. or like a, a, a baby item, you know, like an item for the I baby. Think I might've like had a, 50 bucks a month actually. So that wouldn't have been $25 a week. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Yeah. So the way that, um, basically you never steal from another week. So I couldn't take money. Say if I spent 80 bucks or $90 on groceries, I wouldn't say, okay, well I'll take that money from next week and only spend $65 next week. Instead, I would take from that other budget. Hmm. So I, you could like cross categories, you know, like if I didn't spend 25 bucks on gas, we could spend $25 on right dinner or yeah. something, but you only take from other categories along the week. And that was just, That's for whatever good. reason, that was like mind or yes, life changing for us. for us. Yes. Well, I think the biggest, that, yeah, exactly. Going to the envelopes, keeping those categories separate, but being able to, to borrow like, like that lateral way, but not uh, like forward, you know, not being able to borrow from the future um, was really good. But then breaking it down from a monthly budget to a weekly budget was a big deal for us because months are funny, you know, because it'll like start on a Monday and then end on like a Wednesday, you know, some month, I mean, I don't know if that's ever how it works, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, it's never like a perfect four weeks in a month. And so when you budget per week, then you're always sure to follow that. Cause then you can start over again on Monday, start over again on Monday. And you keep yeah. really short accounts with yourself. So as we're going through the week, it's really easy to alter within the moment. Be like, oh my goodness, we spent $5 over this week. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that doesn't happen next week versus getting to the end of the month and be like, whoa, how are we $250 over? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, so that was really helpful. Another concept that she had that was really good was it's not what you're saying no to, it's what you're saying yes to. Yeah. And so that's when Elisha and I got a lot of different bank accounts mm. actually, because it's not fun to see five bucks go in your you like know, $5,000 emergency funds, like right. $5,005, like yippee skippy twang. I think I'll yeah. buy the drink yes, or, exactly. you know, whatever. That's right. And so, but by having like, okay, we're having five bucks go towards our marriage retreat that we mm -hmm. want to go to. And that's a, only a $250 little Purchase. account yep. we have. Then like that $5 got really exciting. Was a good start. Yeah. And yeah, like we, we paid for a marriage retreat we went to off of selling, um, random stuff that we didn't use anymore Yes. on Facebook marketplace. Yeah. But that wouldn't have been real motivating if it was going into this like 
big fund. Yes, exactly. Anyways. No, I think you're so right. Breaking up those bank accounts. I know that's a, I think that's a common like advice for, but that really worked for us big time is breaking that up so you can like see the little progress for each category and you know that that's what you're saying yes to is you know the family vacation or the the new bike for the kids or whatever it and is. i think that's also another reason why we didn't feel poor is because we did like we read a lot of mindset books mm -hmm. a couple of them which i can't really suggest the four-hour work week but if you go read it just don't tell anyone you got it from me yeah <laughs> I can't suggest it, but <laughs> it was, it was game changing for our mentalities yes. work-wise. And we were living the life we wanted to live. Like yes. we figured out how to have a three week vacation in San Clemente, California mm -hmm. that year mm -hmm. that we yeah. were hardly making any money. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helps you really get outside the common, uh, like accepted way of thinking around money and provision and, and all those things. And we've, ca we've carried so many of those mindsets with us to where we are currently at. Okay. One more book that I think is really good just for overall life stuff is the compound effect. Yes. I'd say those were the first two books we read our first year. What yes. do you say that we're like, Oh yeah. Whoa. They've, they've just, yes. Well, in fact, we read life. a book called the miracle morning on our honeymoon together. <laughs> it was a self-help book. We got back and we read the compound effect like our first week. And then I think we read the four hour work week, like our second week of after being back from our honeymoon. And, um, and that, and then another book called the 10 X rule by Grant, oh, Grant, yeah, Cardone. Grant Cardone. I mean, we could keep going, but the, and, and again, these, these are, are secular, secular, these are secular yeah. people. They're, they're straight up like business slash self help, self development books. But so many of the mindsets were really critical in us. I think getting from that place of broke to money being far less of like a pain point in our life. And now we view it just as this resource, uh, where, where it's like, okay, what, what, what has been placed on our heart? What do we want to move forward in? Okay. Boom. Let's put these resources towards that because we want to move this platform forward or we want to take the kids here or we want to give to this organization. And so that, that's a really fun place to, to be at. And we're not, you know, we don't feel like we're promised just because we were here to be here forever. No. You know, like that's not, I don't think that's the way it works. Um, but we're certainly grateful for being here. And I think that it's been nice. You know, people say like, well, you know, money won't make you happy or, you know, money's not the problem or money's not the issue. But sometimes it is. Like, <laughs> like I get sometimes that. Like, it is. Yes. It's like this thing where your heart, your heart around it could be the issue. But when when it's this constant practical stress and strain in your marriage and in your life, well, then it is, it is an issue. Like, it's just, I think you can over-spiritualize things because we know that the Lord's going to provide for us. But when you are constantly being met with bills that you can't quite afford to pay, that just brings the stress into your life. And, and I think that practically taking promises, not promises, practically taking principles from scripture and saying, okay, well, I'm going to work heartily as unto the Lord, applying these principles, working hard, being thoughtful with how I invest my time and money and my energy, uh, and then seeing how the Lord chooses to provide for you through that is a really, can be a really rewarding thing. And when you're doing it as a united front, then it can be a really fun thing too. Yeah. That's what I would say. Like if you find yourself in a place where you're broke right now, whether you're newly married and you're like, Oh my word, like this is way tighter than I thought it would be. Or whether you're maybe in our position where you have four kids and you feel like we are totally broke. Mm. I know that was my parents' story. 
it's like if you can make now fun and if you can figure out ways to enjoy free things to still yeah. have joy in your home to have you know romance in your marriage to have delight in your children and have them delight in you you know to have your relationship with the lord thrive honestly it's a really not only is it a fun place to be because you turn life into a game yeah. where it's like, okay, this is just a game. How do we win? We're yeah. losing this money game. How do we win it? Yeah. And you, it can be like this awesome team bonding experience. And also I think it takes away a lot of the fear of losing everything. Yeah. Like for me, I know that like our first couple of years married, yeah, this was our pain point. Now we have different pain points yeah. and it was awesome as yeah. far as our life, our marriage, Oh, you know, we just laughed and loved and lived. It was so good. It was so good. And this whole time, you know, the first three years we had three babies. So it was just like, you know, one thing after the next. And I think what's so cool is I don't have this fear of being broke again. Mm -mm. I know what the pain points are. It'll be hard. It might, I'm prepared, I guess, mentally like this very well may happen again in our life because we are entrepreneurial. We do take risks financially. And so this could happen. Yeah. But that said, it it's not a scary thing. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it can be a pain point, but I but your happiness isn't wrapped up in it either or your contentment or your fulfillment. And so, yeah, I, I don't know how to give like the right mindset speech around money. And I don't even claim that like I've got the perfect mindset around money. But I do think that I've experienced being in an unhealthy place regarding money where I felt like, I was a failure or I felt like, you know, a loser or like I was just less than because of the, whatever the bank account said or whatever the salary or the hourly wage was. And to remove myself from that place of being like, this doesn't have anything to do with who I am in Christ. It's empowering. So it doesn't mean you just settle and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be complacent now and have, you know, a shortage of finances for my whole life. It's like, well, no, I can actually work joyfully as unto the Lord now because he's actually given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So I'm working from this place of strength. Like I'm, I'm already have everything I could ever want for, for life and godliness. He told me that I have all of that. So I'm going to be as a good of a steward as I can with his gifts and talents and, and go plant, you know, and see what type of harvest. I'm going to plant and water and tend to these things and see what type of harvest comes. And that's, I think, where we're at now is that we've been, we planted, we've harvested numerous things. Like, that's what's crazy is that when I think of all the things that didn't take seed or their root was shallow or they got rained on or the storm came through and wiped out the harvest, we've got a ton of those things. Yeah. But some of the seeds stuck. And we watered those, we tended to them. And here there's a harvest coming. We're like, oh, wow, like that's so cool that the Lord decided to bring a harvest over in these things. But we're always going to be planting and tending and watering in, in every area of our life. But we're just talking about, you know, finances now. Yeah, I like how you drew that distinction between contentment and complacence. Com- complacency? complacency? Yeah. Yes, because we do want to seek to be content in every stage of life that we're in. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't work heartily. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. Anyways, this podcast has kind of gone long. (laughs) I have like other things on my mind, but I feel like we need, um, we do like a specific podcast. Also, if you haven't watched this on YouTube, uh, or if you are watching us on YouTube, you won't want to miss next week's episode because I'm going to tell them next week, we're going to be introducing you to the brand new, global 
headquarters of the Now That We're a Family podcast, a brand new state-of-the-art studio, filming and audio studio. And so you won't want to miss that. You're pretty proud of your concrete painting job that you did. Well, you did most. Well, actually, yeah, we kind of split that job. You're right. Um, State of the art. No, I just want people to get out and watch. Uh, if you if I, if you think I'm overhyping this, you're wrong. You will not want to miss it next week. I better order the lights right now. Well, we got. Didn't we get a couple of lights? Do we need more lights than that? Yeah. Oh wow. We need lots of okay, lights. Yeah, I guess we have some more work to do before we're ready for the the big reveal, folks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We so appreciate you uh, being on this journey of life with us. And we're excited to talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.